Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are starting a series called The Last Supper, The Last Supper. Um, and this is found in John 13 through verses 17. So I'm going to ask you that while we're doing this series all up until Easter weekend, that you would get in the Bible, which is a novel idea, I know, right? But that you would get and read John 13 through 17 once a week at least. And we will be covering the Last Supper, this passage of Scripture, um, not this Wednesday because we're not having FC midweek adults, just the students, but we'll be covering the Last Supper topic, June, uh, John 13 through 17, during our FC midweek service as well because there's just so much in this for us to try to even get close to getting to. So today I want to talk to you about Judas and acid, Judas and acid, and um I got a lot to get to today because I've been gone for a week, so I'm just going to go off-roading, and we'll see where we get to. So um, the Last Supper is the last formal gathering of Jesus and his disciples. That's why it's called the Last Supper, right? And am I in between right right there, right? So I'm in between Jesus and John. I'm the beloved now, like leaning in. Um, and so... Uh, I, and, and, and when we get into this passage of Scripture, Jesus has been doing ministry with his disciples for three years now. And this is kind of the last hurrah, the last meeting of just Jesus and his disciples. And as he's going through this, there, there's things that have led up to this meeting. We read that prior to the upper room and prior to the Last Supper, Jesus had entered Jerusalem on Sunday Everybody had the palm branches, right? Palm Sunday. On Monday, he had cleansed the temple. Tuesday, he had conflict with the religious leaders. Imagine that, um, as they sought to trip him up in order to get evidence to arrest him. Wednesday was probably a day of rest. But on Thursday, he met with his disciples in order to observe Passover, which was the Last Supper. So if you're wondering how I came up with this timeline, it's found in Matthew chapter 21 through 25. And leading up to this moment, to the Last Supper, we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, that the disciples are arguing and bickering with one another, right? This group of guys right here are at odds with who's going to get the most important post in Jesus's coming government that is to come and set up. And so they're, they're bickering. In fact, John and James, the big mama boys, has their mom go up and ask Jesus if he can, one can sit on the right and the left. What a weasel. Um, but send your mama there. Can John and James sit there? I would not get along with John and James. Me and Peter would be bros. But, and up to this point, right, there is, all this is going on, and we have to understand the context as we are entering into this series that the disciples are kind of missing the big point of what Jesus has been teaching. And so Jesus draws all his disciples together one more time and is like, guys, get this. Get this point. Understand this point. It, it's kind of like the last big idea, the last moment he's wanting to make sure they remember. Now, every time I go to Africa, I flirt with this idea of leaving like a final video in case something were to happen 
on my trip that I don't tell my wife and kids about. And I've, I almost did it this, this time too. Because I've never been to Uganda. I didn't know. I was like, well, what if I, a lion hits me? What if I get hit with Ebola, right? Like, what, you know, I, I don't know what the plane goes down. And it's just too dark of a video for me to shoot, and I've never done it. Um, but I've, 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 the thought is I want to make sure my daughters know some thir- certain things if I'm to kick it on the plane over, right? <laughs> like that, that my wife, Casey, knows that, babe, I love you, and you can't get married to anybody else for at least two months, right? And so, um, that just <laughs> at least let the life insurance payments clear. Um, but, you know, like that there's some, there's some things that I'm setting up and I want to make sure that they get. And this is really what Jesus is doing at this Last Supper from John 13 to 17, where he's really wanting to make sure the disciples get these things down and they listen and they understand and they lean into it and everybody is attentive. And so we're going to pick up right at the beginning in John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour, so, so where I'm kind of thinking, um, you know, what if I, I die on my way to Africa? Jesus knew his hour had come to leave this world and he would return to his father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth And now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Right? Like, no, 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 no. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, well then, wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet, right? And Jesus, Jesus replied, calm down, Peter. Like, calm, calm, like easy. A person who is bathed all over doesn't need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him, and that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. As we start into this series, the part of the Last Supper that blows my mind that I, 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 I couldn't start this series without talking about it is this. Judas is invited to the table. Jesus knows who's going to betray him. Jesus knows what Judas is going to do. And yet Jesus invites Judas to the Last Supper. And and that just overwhelms my senses. Because I'm like, why? Right? Because... Judas is the bad disciple, right? Like all of us relate to Peter because we've blown it and we've messed up. And yeah, I can kind of understand denying the whole thing because you're freaked out and you're fearful and you do stuff when dumb stuff when you're fearful. But to betray him is a whole nother level, right? And so Judas is kind of the guy that nobody likes. He's the guy that, you know, I, I've met people that have been named James. I have met kids that are named Peter and John. I have never, ever met a kid named Judas. I have never, I dare you, all of you that are watching, next kid, name him Judas. Let's see what happens. I've heard Jude. Jude ain't the same as Judas, right? 
Nobody names their baby Judas. That's a bad omen, right? That's just bad. Like, let's name this kid Judas. Why do you hate your child, right? And yet, if we take a real long look at Judas's life, there was a point and there was a place Judas was an amazing guy. Right? He was one of the 12 Jesus selected to be a disciple. He left everything to follow Jesus for three years. He was trustworthy and responsible at some point because he was the business administrator for the whole church, right? For the whole ministry movement. He was the fish of the ministry, right? Like, like he was in charge of the purse. He was in charge of the money, like making sure everything was coming in and there was accountability for what was going out. Judas was, he wouldn't have been placed in charge of the money, possibly one of the most powerful places to be put in if he wasn't trustworthy, and we just think of Judas as this horrible guy that we don't like, that, that, that in all this negative connotation, and yet Judas and Jesus and the rest of the disciples, they were buddies. They had moments that they laughed together, and they created memories together, and they did ministry together, and they saw miracles together, and all these things happened, and yet Jesus knew in this moment when he's inviting Judas to the table that Judas is going to betray him. And yet he ministers and he loves them anyways. And here's what has come to my attention. Is that Jesus models for us. He doesn't just tell us what to do. In the first part of this passage of Scripture, Jesus isn't so much telling us what to do. He's showing us what to do. Because Jesus knows when it comes to dealing with your Judas, it's not enough to just tell you, but you need to be shown. Because actions are always louder than words. And he shows us how to deal with our Judas. Do you know all of us are going to have a Judas at some point in time of our life? There's going to be somebody that hurts you. There's going to be somebody that was your buddy. There's going to be somebody that, that, that turns their back on you, that talks bad about you, that betrays you, that betrays your confidence, that tells your secrets, that hurts your kids, that hurts your spouse. And, and the question I have for you today is this, how are you dealing with your Judas? Because if you look at this passage of Scripture, Judas did not derail Jesus from his purpose in his ministry, but some of you, you've allowed your Judas to, to derail you from God's purpose in the ministry he has for you. And if we don't learn to deal with our Judas well, our Judas will deal with us. And there's a choice. You're either dealing with Judas or Judas is dealing with you. You're either staying on track or Judas has derailed you. And, and the thing that absolutely blows my mind is that Judas is one of the disciples in this moment that Jesus washes, washes Judas' feet. What? I'd be like, next. Like, Judas, get, that, get your crappy feet out of here. Like, no, 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 you're gross. Get, get out. No, I'm not doing this, right? Because it's Judas and here's what Jesus shows us in this moment. He shows us that we're called to love our Judas, we're called to forgive our Judas, and we're called to serve everyone, and that includes your Judas. So, John 14, verse 23 through 24, still in the Last Supper. Jesus replied this, all who love me will do what I say, period. Right? All who love me will do what I say. As my teenage daughter Chloe says, period, right? Like, um, 
My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. So if you don't want to believe me, hear me. These words have a lot more substance than just my opinion, is what Jesus is saying, is that these words are from my Father, from your heavenly Father. And he says this, the true mark of loving Jesus is obeying Jesus. You know, because here's the, here's the deal. Everybody loves Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I've never met somebody that says, I don't love Jesus. Well, I, mean, I have, but you know what I'm saying. For the majority, everybody's like, oh, I'm a fan of Jesus. I love Jesus. But Jesus says this, if you love me, you're going to obey me. That, that it's about your actions, not just your words. Because it's easy to say you love Jesus, but does your, do your actions show that you actually Love him. Do your actions show when it comes to your Judas that you actually love Jesus. So here's what we have to understand. If we're, gonna, if we're ever going to come to a place where we're ministering to our Judas, instead of being derailed by our Judas, there's a couple of things we have to understand. First thing is this. It's kind of two separate sermons here today. You're called to serve them. You're called to wash their feet. Come again, because I'm, I'm a little deaf in that ear. It sounds like you said I'm supposed to serve my Judas. Yeah, that's the example that he shows for us. And, and, and if you're going to do that, and if you're going to come to this place, you've got to understand our first point today. You're not that big of a deal, so serve one another. You're like, wow, you really came back from Africa and really building up my self-esteem right now, right? You and I, hear me. We're not that big of a deal. So we're called to serve one another, and that includes your Judas. We're in a culture that is all about self-promotion and puffing one another up and making yourself look important and making yourself look bigger than life. And, and you've got to have a social media platform before you could ever do something. And, and what are you going to do here? And how are you promoting yourself here? And how many followers do I have? And how many retweets do I have? And how many friends do I have on Facebook? And followers do I have on Instagram? And all this Snapchat and TikTok and all these other things. And it's like, ah, and it's all self-promotion, self-promotion. And in the raw... The, the, the words of Ron Burgundy, right? Some of us feel like we're a pretty big deal. But can I tell you, the great theologian Ron Burgundy, Will Farrell on Anchorman was dead wrong. You and I are not that big of a deal. I don't care what your mama said. Here's, here's what I would say. Um, uh, I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> There's a lot of pastors that miss this point. There's a lot of pastors that as the church grows, I know this fear like, well, are you going to become haughty? Are you going to have security guards around you and nobody can talk to you and you're not a bit? Listen to me. To my dying day, I'm going to be out in the lobby before and after service meeting everybody and anybody I can, and you're not going to have to have a security pass to come meet me because I understand this. I'm just Justin. I am a screwed up, messed up individual that says things he should not say from this stage and does things like shaking his hips and his butt cheeks. Or from this stage. I get it. 
And if I don't want you to act like you're a big deal, I've got to understand I'm not a big deal. I'm not a big deal. Trust me, I know it. My wife lets me know on a consistent (laughs) basis. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 says this. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Period, right? Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. That includes the people you don't like. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And Jesus said this, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. But to serve. And how are you serving? I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. I'm not just talking about like when you're here. How are you at serving others, at putting other people in front of you, even people you don't like? Romans 12 says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. I love that word, haughty, right? Like not hot, like woo, she's a hottie. Like don't be haughty, conceited, self-important, exclusive, but associate with humble people. Those with a realistic self-view. I love that. Do not overestimate yourself. Haven't you seen people like that? Never repay anyone evil for evil. Take thought for what is right and gracious and proper in sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave the way open for God's wrath and his judicial righteousness. For it is written in Scripture, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Wait, 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 wait one moment. If your enemy is hungry feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. And some of you are like, no, 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 no. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So all of you just re-engage just now. You're like, I'm in, right? Do not be overcome and conquered by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. Can I tell you, we are allowing our Judases to take us out from doing the good and the ministry and the purpose God has put in our lives because we've let somebody's evil keep us from doing good. And Paul is saying this, don't you let somebody that has hurt you, that has betrayed you, that has talked about you. Some people, you come in here today and you're watching and you've got church hurt that is happening in your life because you've gotten hurt by the church. Hear me. Stop blaming every church for your situation and walk into the purpose and ministry that God has for you. Realize one church ain't like every church. Man, that's crazy. That's like one person being like every, I got hurt by a person, so every person's evil. No, it's not. And some of you, you are allowing your Judas and your moment of being hurt to derail you from the purpose that God has. And the purpose he has for you is he has given every one of us talents in this place to use for the building of his kingdom. How do you respond to your Judas? How do you deal with your your Judas? The first thing Jesus shows us is you serve him. And you won't be willing to serve him as long as you're trying to make a big deal about you instead of making a big deal about everyone else. Because if you're busy trying to make a big deal about you, 
you won't get busy serving one another. So how do we do that? Let me hit these real quick. Gain a healthy understanding of who and whose you are. Of who and whose you are. When I understand whose I am, I understand who I am. Right? When I understand whose I am, I understand who I am. It says this in John 13, 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return from God. Being secure in whose he was meant God, Jesus, was secure in who he was. So he didn't feel inferior by serving the disciples. He understood what his role was, and it was to serve other people. It's to set the example for others to follow. Trust me, when you understand when you're not getting your definition, when you're not being defined by people that are around you and you're not being defined by a success or a failure, you're more willing to serve those that you find yourselves around. The last thing I would say is this, don't be flashy and showy, just serve, right? Don't, don't, oh, getting ready to wash people's feet, click. Somebody get them a good angle while I'm serving, washing their feet, right? Did you get that? Did you post it on all the platforms for everybody to see? No. Jesus is in an upper room with just his disciples. And he's serving them. Why? Because he wasn't there to make a big deal of himself. He was just there to love and to minister to his disciples. And that included Judas. The very person that betrayed him. Listen to me. This is hard. This is hard preaching. I struggle with this. You're called to serve your Judas. And that's hard. And that's difficult. But until you come to a place where you humble yourself and you have a realistic self-view that you understand, I'm not the big deal. He is. You won't be willing to serve everyone and that includes your Judas. Some of us, our home life, our marriage life, you would change your entire home if you would come in with a servant mentality and attitude instead of a I need to be served mentality and attitude. It, because can I tell you, when you become humble and you start serving, you lose count instead of keeping count. And some of us, that's where we got to get to. The second thing that Jesus shows us is that we're called to love our Judas. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> Man, this sermon, I was like, God, can I preach something else? Because I don't want to preach this one today. Because I've been working through this whole thing, and I'm like, but God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to love my Judas. I don't want to love people that hurt me. I don't want to love people that betrayed me. I just want to be done. And here's what he kept pounding into my head. When you don't feel like it, do it anyways. When you don't feel like it, Justin, do it anyways. It doesn't matter what you feel like. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus ask us what we feel like. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, if you feel like it, then obey my commands. No, he just says, if you love me, then you'll do what I say. Doesn't matter if you feel like it. It's like when I used to mow the yard for my dad. There was qualifications 
and a specific way that my dad wanted me to mow the yard when I was a mid-hire in high school or and even in college. And the first step was cleaning up all the dog poop um, before I mowed. And so I would get out there with a shovel, dry heaving, especially on the 100-degree days, like, you know, and just shoveling the poo in the trash can because, of course, you can't just mow over it. I'm like, that would make sense. It's fertilizer, Dad. You just, you know, I'm trying to be thrifty here and help you out, Pops. But um, that didn't work. And he was like, and then you're going to mow in a square until that square gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm like, why don't I just go back and forth in lines? No, that's not what you're going to do. But, Dad, that doesn't make sense. I don't care if it makes sense. Do it anyways. But, Dad, I don't want to clean up the dog. I don't care if you don't want to. Do it anyways. I don't care if you have found a better way. Do it my ways anyways. And can I tell you, that's what the Lord would tell you when it comes to your Judas. I I don't like this. Do it anyways. Luke chapter 6. But to you who are willing to listen, and some of you, you've already tuned me out because I said do it anyways, right? I say love your enemies. Ah, do good to those who hate you. Here, let's flesh that out. Do good to those who vehemently oppose the way you vote. Do good to those people. What? Do good to them. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them, right? They ain't no, but Jesus is like, big deal, right? And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners, even heathens do this, right? And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend other sinners for a full return. He's like, you're no different than everybody else. What's the big deal? Love your enemies. Love your Judas. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be. When you lend to them, Jesus is saying, she gone, right? Like that's just, it's gone. Like you're not, it's not coming back. Don't expect it. You know they're ripping you off and be okay with it, right? Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And as I read this and I say this, I know know what you're thinking because I've been thinking it all week as I've been going through this message. But Justin, you don't understand. All right, Justin, I, I know what the Bible says right now, but you don't know what they put me through. You don't know how long I had to go through this. You don't know how much they destroyed. You don't know how much time it took for me and my family to recover. All the betrayal, all the rumors, they tried to destroy. They did just to me what Judas did to Jesus. And here's the problem. You're letting your Judas derail you from your purpose. And you're sitting there and you're going, but, 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 and hear me. It doesn't matter. Forgive and love them anyways. I I don't understand. I don't get it. You're right. I don't. I'll never understand. I'll never get it. But Jesus would say this, and it sounds harsh, but we're going to get to the good part of it in just a second, and you're like, I hope so, because this sucks. (laughs) Jesus would say this. You may not like it, but do it anyways. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, this passage occurs right after the Lord's Prayer, right? We all understand the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That whole thing, right? That all the college football players pray and then they get out there and cuss like a sailor. So um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15 says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others. And it has that word refuse. Can I tell you, forgiveness is a choice. You will never feel your way there. You choose your way there. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sin. There's a roadblock you're putting up in your and it's you. Your Judas isn't in control of that. You're putting this roadblock up for you to not receive forgiveness from your heavenly father. And that's not popular preaching, but that's biblical preaching. Right, but Justin, I, I shouldn't have to forgive. I shouldn't have to. You don't under. I don't understand. I don't understand this rule. I don't understand why Jesus made this so hard. But this is what His Word says. In fact, it says this in Mark eleven twenty five. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against, so that your heaven, your Father in heaven, will forgive your sins. And here's the deal: Jesus knew what Judas was going to do, and He forgave him anyways. It didn't mean that he kept ties with Jesus. He, he, cut, he cut loose ties with Judas. He said, go do what you're going to do. He didn't keep staying around, but he said, go your way, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm here to do in my purpose that I'm called to do. And some of you, you're going to have to let Judas go, but hear me, you're going to have to forgive them as they go. And you're called to forgive them and understand this reason. And here's why God is so, one of the many reasons he's so good and loving is that he knows if you carry unforgiveness, he knows if you carry bitterness and hatred and anger and you become cynical around that you can't carry it around without it damaging you. He knows that. And that's why he's saying forgive those who've hurt you. Forgive your enemies. Man, if your enemy's hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them drink. Because he knows your willingness to choose to forgive them releases you. We got a pool a few years ago, like when we built our house, and it's the first pool I've ever owned. Um, I feel like I've arrived because I have a pool. Because growing up when I was little, if you were a rich person, you had a pool, right? So if you have a pool, it didn't matter if it was above ground. It didn't matter if it was a little plastic, a little pool. Like, you were rich. And so I have a pool, and I'm like, thank you, God. This is awesome. But I've never messed with the pool before in my entire life. And so we have a saltwater pool. And as a result, you have to put chemicals in the pool. And so I always got kicked out of the scientific lab, science lab um, time. They never let me deal with acid and all the different things or dissect the frog because I was like always doing things with it. So um, when it came to putting in muriatic acid into our pool, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I just pulled the lid off and I, there's a little top on here that you just kind of pop off. And I'm just acting normal. And I take a deep breath, and I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm pouring it in. And I mean, when I took that deep breath, it, it burned. It burns, right? Like, I was like, oh, like this. And I, like, set it down. I'm like, oh, and I couldn't talk. And I'm, like, over here breathing, like, far away. And I'm like, that's poison, right? Like, I'm like, 
whoa, that's like acid or something. I, I always thought acid was like, whoa, but this was like, oh, right? Like totally two different types of acid trips that were happening. I expected like mushrooms, but no. This was the gates of hell, fire burning. I'm like, oh, this is nothing like what they said. Nate, you're a liar. <laughs> and all of a sudden I realize, okay, I gotta be careful when I'm dealing with this. I've got it on my skin and I like wipe it off because it burns when it gets on you, right? And here's what hasn't happened. Since I have realized this, I haven't been like, hey, Charlie and Chloe, my daughters, like, hey, hey, get out there and throw some acid in the pool. No. I don't want them anywhere around this because I know that it can damage them and hurt them. I don't have Casey. Hey, Casey, get out there and just throw some, throw some acid in the pool. Be great. Be great for you. Hold your breath, though. You know, like, no. Why? Because I want to protect them and make sure they don't get hurt. And can I tell you, this is why God is saying you got to forgive other people. I'm closing with this. I'm done. I just, some of you are like, please, because I'm tired of this message. Because <laughs> God knows if you carry around all the unforgiveness, all the hurt, all the anger, all the bitterness, all the wrong that's been done to you, you are going to become pitiful and pout where you are instead of becoming powerful and praising where you are. And the person that gets damaged is you. Because you can't carry around unforgiveness. You can't carry around anger without it turning into something worse. And then you become bitter and you become cynical. Listen, I've done ministry for 25 years. And when we were at our leadership retreat this past year, we were going around the room and saying, hey, honestly, what is something you need prayer for? And everybody went around and I said, man, this past week I just realized after 25 years of doing ministry, I've been burned. Like I've been hurt by people. Everybody gets to have an opinion, and, and people have burned me with my family and talked about my wife, talked about my kids, talked about me. And I, I'm, people have just left. And they say, don't take it personal. Can I tell you, it's personal every time. And I go, I'm just, I'm hurt. I, I'm guarded. I've become cynical. I don't want to become that person. And so I said, hey, I, I need prayer because I'm carrying some things around that are damaging me, that are hurting me. And so a few months ago, still carrying it around, I'm like, God, I gotta get past this because I don't wanna be this cynical person. I was like, I need to do something. And so for two days, three days, I sat down with a legal pad of paper and I literally just wrote names out of people that I've been injured by, people that have talked about me, people that have said things in the last 25 years, and there were three pages worth of names. And I'm like, whew. And I started, where I always pray is by my fire pit, and I started my fire pit up, and, and I'm sitting there, and I take my three pieces of paper, and I, I throw them in the fire, and I'm not throwing them in the fire so God would burn them in the gates of hell, right? Like, burn them, right? Like, let them feel the wrath of acid in their lungs, right? Like, I, no. I was like, God, get this out of my life. Let there be a refining fire that I'm not carrying this around anymore. I'm not carrying the bitterness, the hurt. I'm not letting Judas 
keep affecting me, but I am moving through the hurt and I'm moving through the pain and I'm letting you use it for your glory and your purpose. And hear me, if you will let go of all the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the hurt and the disappointment and the betrayal, you carrying it around isn't the way God intended for you to live life. He intended you to live life free and looking at all the good he still wants you to do. And that is a way better way to live and a much wiser way for you to live. And that's why he says it doesn't matter if you want to. Do it anyways because that's the best way for you to move forward and for you to live your life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Lord, I know there's so many of us we're here today, and Lord Judas, it's going to be part of our journey. Dealing with people we don't like, it's going to happen. People that have hurt us, people that have betrayed us, people that have talked about us. It's going to occur, and I pray that our life and our relationships would not be defined by the Judases that we've encountered, but our, our life and our our relationships would be defined by how we move through it purposefully and that we would not be derailed by something that has happened to us, but that we would surrender it to you. Lord, I know there is a lot of people here that they don't want to serve. They don't want to serve other people because they've been hurt by other people and they've been hurt by churches. Lord, I pray that there would be healing that happens in their life. Lord, in a society that is all about self-promotion and making one another look so such a big deal, God, I pray that we would realize, God, we're not that big of a deal. We're just called to humble ourselves and to seek your face, and how can we serve others? And the Lord, there's some of us today, we've gone through such hurtful moments and such hurtful things with people. This is a really hard message for us to grasp for us to live out. And Lord, let us realize it's not forgiving others. isn't saying what others did was okay. It's releasing us from the pain and the hurt and the carnage of what happened. And so I pray today that we would stop carrying around something that's damaging and burning us and we would walk in the freedom of your love and the freedom of your forgiveness. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.